Hello and welcome to another edition of Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham, where Team Needham discusses everything healthcare. I'm your host, Sean Needham, along with my wonderful wife, Janet, and we are super happy to have Dr. Marcy Catayo Madruga back on our show again, discussing hormone health and diabetes. Now, when we talk about hormones, that is a very broad, general term. And uh, one of the things that people need to understand is it's not just sex hormones like estrogen, progesterone, testosterone. Um, a hormone is a very, very general term. Uh, adrenaline is a hormone. So, and insulin is a hormone. So we're going to be discussing how the symphony of all those hormones um, can earn your way to optimal health and even prevent or reverse diabetes. So Marcy, welcome to our show. Hey, thanks for having me back. And Janet, it's nice to meet you. You weren't here the last time I was able to chat with you guys. Thank you. Yeah. And so give us a little bit about your background, um, Marcy, and um, introduce, your, introduce yourself and give us a little bit about your background. So I am a doctorate in physical therapy, uh, and I have a certification in functional medicine. And I've been practicing in the health and wellness space since 2005 and certified with functional medicine since 2017 and really just trying to help people find their optimal health in the simplest terms possible because there's so much information out there that it just makes it confusing. And how do we simplify it so that everyone can actually achieve it? And so tell us a little bit about how a physical therapist got into functional medicine. There must be a story behind that. Yeah, um, I think I mentioned last time that I was here with you, uh, I had a very negative experience in healthcare where I uh, went in because I was having some health issues myself, went in to see a specialist who I had referred patients to in the past. He recognized my name, knew who I was, knew that I had worked with some of his clients, and when I started asking questions about what my options were, he basically said, you can do this my way or you can get the F out of my office. And hmm. I left. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So it was um, it, the way that I came to helping people, the way that I helped them was really out of a recognition that there was a huge need for people to be seen and heard in the medical system and that maybe the way that we were doing it wasn't quite right. Awesome. That's a great story. And it's also a reminder that um, to anybody listening or watching out there, if if you go into a healthcare professional and that's their attitude, you need to do what Marcy did and just leave. Yeah. Just politely leave. Say, okay, that's fine. Um, I'm leaving. But I, I think it's not even just if they're that blunt. I think it's if somebody never actually hears you, sees you, and they're not willing to sit and answer your questions. Like, yes, they have another person scheduled six minutes after they get in the room with you, but that's not your fault. You didn't overschedule them. They overscheduled themselves. And if they're not willing to look at you, hear you, understand your concerns, and respond appropriately, you also find somebody else. Yeah. Janet has some strong opinions about that. Um, you want to go ahead and talk about that? Oh, well, I mean, being in pharmacy, we hear that on a regular basis. And a lot of times the sad thing is, is they're not listening to why the patient is even there. Because they'll usually tell you if you open your ears and listen. But yeah, I, I think that's becoming more and more an experience that this so-called standard of care 
out there is what to expect, but it isn't quality by any means. It's not quality. So you're not solving problems. You're just trying to band-aid it and, and add something down the line. And in pharmacy, usually that means that we prescribe another drug on top of another drug. And uh, one thing that Janet always says too, is that there's other options out there. Um, You know, you don't have to put up with that, you know, that, that person that doesn't have the time, there are other options out there. So tell us about how um, a physical therapist got into hormones and what you know about hormones. Um, well, getting into hormones was kind of by accident. Uh, but what I, what I realized is that when we are metabolically healthy, our hormones are healthy. So in order to reestablish a healthy metabolism, you can't not address the hormones. And there are some people who have serious health conditions, like they've had thyroid cancer and their thyroid has been removed. Um, or they have, you know, an autoimmune uh, disorder going on, and that is affecting the thyroid as well. Um, Hashimoto's, Graves' disease, those are both autoimmune type disorders that happen with the thyroid. And those do need some medical management, for sure, in the allopathic realm. Um, But there's a lot that we can do outside of that as well that helps the person manage what their disease process is. And it all starts in the gut. Um, and diabetes as well. It starts in the gut. Our metabolic health starts with being able to absorb nutrients and being able to do that efficiently without creating a lot of distress and dis-ease in the system. So tell us about how it starts in the gut. Tell us a little bit more details about that. So most people don't realize, and we'll take this all the way back to, because you guys have kids, correct? Mm -hmm. And when you had a baby, the doctor said, we expect to see somewhere between seven and 10 dirty diapers, meaning not just wet, but poopy diapers a day. Well, why were we expecting that? We were expecting that because we were feeding that baby seven to 10 times a day, if you were feeding on a two hour or a three hour schedule, right? So when we think about the fact that we were, after the first day, supposed to see seven to 10 diapers a day, but yet as adults, we'll eat three meals a day, have a couple snacks in between and think it's okay to go to the bathroom once a week. That starts the problem, right? Because then we aren't able to absorb the nutrients out of the food and the nutrients from the food, those essential vitamins, minerals, proteins that you get from the food that you ingest. If you can't absorb them, you won't have what you need to then produce any of the hormones and do that efficiently. And then it starts to affect, like you said, you know, adrenaline is a hormone. So a lot of people say, well, I can't go to the bathroom unless I've had my morning coffee and I have that before I do anything else. Well, at the same time, the reason you can go to the bathroom is because you spiked your cortisol artificially. It's supposed to take it about 30 minutes to spike and then start slowly coming down, but you drink it within 10 minutes of getting out of bed. Um, And you then spike adrenaline because cortisol produces adrenaline. And so your body went into fight or flight. And because it realizes that you're not fighting for your life, it said, let's evacuate everything. We're going to pee again and we're going to poop again. But it also didn't allow you to actually absorb the nutrients from any food that was left in that canal of the small intestine, large intestine, colon, you just pushed it through with adrenaline. So it's one of those things that people don't, they don't consider 
the nutrients that they need to produce a hormone appropriately or have healthy hair, skin, nails, teeth, um, bones, etc. And all of those things require the gut to function properly. So when we want to look at nutrition-wise what we're doing in the gut, we have to remember too that that lining of the small intestine is only one cell layer thick. And if you do damage to it, it makes it a lot harder for it to absorb the nutrients and then those hormones become even more out of balance. Um, And one of the things we see a lot is what we call reactive hypoglycemia, correct? So people eat something and two hours later they're starving and they get a headache if they don't eat. I'm sure you guys have seen this in the pharmacy world as well, right? Mm -hmm. So when we start looking at reactive hypoglycemia, that person is actually pre-diabetic. And nobody will tell them that. They just tell them, oh, you have hypoglycemia. But that is your body over-responding to insulin. So what we really need to do is back up and look at, well, why did insulin get released? Well, insulin was released because you took a calorie in. That calorie goes through a process that breaks it down into sugars called glycogen and then some of the amino acids. Well, if the the glycogen is there and the glucose is there, we have to find a way to shuttle it into the cells and out of the blood, which means that insulin has to be released. And every time we stick a calorie in, insulin has to be released. When we do that too often, the cells start to become what we call insulin resistant. And because of that, we get episodes of low blood sugar or episodes of high blood sugar where we can't function well in either realm. And that kind of starts that process of metabolic syndrome. And that leads to eventually full-blown diabetes. So it starts as hypoglycemia, which is pre-diabetic, and leads to full-blown diabetes. And the best way to change that is to give the gut a break and also to make sure that that gut functions properly. Well, and my guess is too, is, you know, their glucoses aren't registering as high glucose yet, so not as diabetic yet. But my guess is if you check those people's insulin, their insulin would be super high because um, they're starting to get insulin resistant. And, um, but that's not something a traditional um, doctor or healthcare practitioner checks. They don't check a fasting insulin, which I think is more important than a fasting glucose personally, because you will catch diabetes faster than you would with a fasting glucose. For sure. That's absolutely correct. And when we look at um, the same thing happens. So when we have those episodes of low blood sugar, it will trigger the adrenal glands to release more cortisol. Mm-hmm. The adrenal glands releasing cortisol produces epinephrine and adrenaline. And then you start that cycle of, oh, I have the jitters, I have the shakes, I have the I don't feel goods. And then you start that whole process, I need to eat. And then you start that whole process over again. And so really, if we can control those fasting insulin levels, we can actually control a lot more things down the road because the adrenals, most people don't realize this, but the adrenal glands are responsible for producing DHEA and sulfating DHEA, which is how we end up with testosterone and estrogen. Um, It's also how we end up with pregnenolone and um, it's also how we end up with proper thyroid function because the adrenal glands tell the pituitary gland, hey, we need more thyroid stimulating hormone because we're feeling tired and run down. So can you produce that so that we can tell the thyroid to do its job and we basically burn it out. 
Exactly. There's a lot going on here. That was a there's there's a lot there in the first 12 minutes of our podcast. Thank you, Marcy. Um, a couple of comments I want or questions that I want you to address is so speaking of you know um, healthy poops and how regular is regular and tell us about the detoxification process because one of the things that's important is that our liver um, through release of bile into our feces um, is how we detoxify things and how we get rid of toxins. So if you're not pooping regularly, that's not going to happen. Can you kind of comment on that? Yeah. So in the liver, there's uh, essentially a lot of people think of it as just phase one and phase two detoxification in the liver. Um, That first phase is really to pull out things like heavy metals, et cetera. The second phase is to digest some of those hormones and the toxic ones pull those out so they don't do damage to the DNA. But if you don't, and most people also, like you said, the bile is supposed to help that detoxification process. What most people don't realize is that bile should get recycled about 30 times before your body gets rid of it. But um, we are taking in so many toxins in what we're eating, what we're drinking, what we're breathing, and the things that we're putting on our skin that our our bile is actually more sludge-like than it should be. And it is produced in the liver. It's then transported to the gallbladder to be released during the digestion process. Um, And that's why when they just remove your gallbladder and that solves the problem, it's not true at all, actually. Um, And the problem that's getting you to that point of, oh, you have gallstones, you have an inflamed gallbladder, Uh, you're not digesting food properly, actually starts well before then. And if we don't start educating people about that, for sure, we have issues down the road with detoxification and this issue where people can't appropriately absorb their fats um, because the bile is really good at breaking down those fats. And those fats are then used to help produce cholesterol. Your body will make its own cholesterol, but it can also save itself some energy and absorb some of the cholesterols from your food appropriately if the bile is healthy. And healthy bile should be a light green color and it should be the consistency of a, um, an egg yolk. But for most of us, it's more the consistency, if you have teenagers in your home, of that slime that they make in science class that's disgusting and gets <laughs> everywhere. Um, and it's, um, it's a a putrid green color, almost like split pea soup. Good, good, uh, information there. Janet, what questions do you have for Dr. Marcy? Well, so the interesting thing that I have witnessed over the last 30 years that we've been in pharmacy is that younger and younger people are having gallbladder disease, which is odd because it used to be later in life that someone would see this. So um, is it their diet, you think, that is leading them down this path of, you know, 20s and 30s having their gallbladder removed? I think part of it is the diet. I think part of it is um, part of it, honestly, and the, nothing against the pharmaceutical um, industry that you are in, in particular, but part of it well, is... please, be up on the industry. We, <laughs> okay. You're talking to two pharmacists right here that don't believe in, in right. drugs and chronic disease, so please, be just um, be on. Don't hold back. <laughs> I think that our tendency 
to provide a medication younger and younger and younger for everything is also leading to this. Because again, any medication that comes into the body, whether it's um, a subcutaneous hormone because you don't want to have your period ever and you're 12 years old, or it's, um, I mean, vaccines as well have some heavy metals in them. All of them say that on them and your body does have to detox from that. And I'm not anti-vaccine. I am make informed choices and then do appropriate things to mediate them. Um, and, you know, if you're taking an antidepressant or um, something for your ADHD, or you're taking a regular birth control pill, um, you're taking something to help settle your nerves on a regular basis, you drink a lot of caffeine, you take in a lot of sugar, um, you take in things that are not organic, that have GMO in them, or what are they calling it now, bioengineered foods, um, anything you're taking in like that, if you happen to be a runner who runs next to the road because running on the trails feels less safe, and at least on the road, lots of people can see you, you're ingesting a lot of toxins into the system, and you have to do something to help the body detox from that, um, because otherwise the gallbladder is affected. And then one of the biggest things, obviously, and you guys talk about this in your book, sleep. You know, we don't sleep. We're attached to these devices 24-7. And most people are sleeping on average somewhere between four and a half to five hours a night when the recommended amount is somewhere between seven and nine hours a night. And usually when we get mindless on this, we get mindless with this as well. And things go into our body that shouldn't at times when they shouldn't. And so we're just not doing a very good job of helping the body have a break from the input and allowing it to actually rest, digest, and detoxify. Yeah, that's that's a really good explanation. Thank you for that. Um, so going back on absorbing nutrients, and you're talking about how, you know, if you're if you're, you know, have diarrhea after you drink your coffee was your example, then you're not absorbing proper nutrients. And you know, one thing I just wanted to hit on is just how how simple a lot of hormones are. Now let's talk about thyroid. Thyroid is literally iodine and tyrosine, which is an amino acid. So those are very easily, you know, we can get those nutrients from, from our diet um, very easily. Well, if you don't have enough tyrosine, you don't have enough iodine, you can't make enough thyroid. So thyroid problems couldn't, can be caused by nutrient deficiencies. That's a That's a good example right there. Um, same thing with cholesterol. You talked about our hormones being made from cholesterol. Every sex hormone is made from cholesterol. Starts out with a cholesterol backbone. Um, then it goes into pregnenolone and on down the chain all the way down to, well, estriol actually. But um, without cholesterol, we cannot make those hormones. And um, we can make our own cholesterol. But like you say, it is that it, we do consume less energy if we um, get our cholesterol exogenously from our diet. That's why, Jan, I say all the time how, you know, cholesterol is very, very important. We have vilified cholesterol, but exactly. without cholesterol, we would die. Exactly. And that, you know, it's the difference between them pushing us away from, don't use coconut oil, it's terrible for you. Don't eat coconut, it's terrible for you. But here, have this soybean oil. Yeah, exactly. Uh, right. One of them actually helps your body produce cholesterol and sex hormones one hurts your body in doing all of those things. It, it's the same thing as when we were sold a bill of goods with margarine in the seventies and eighties, you know, yeah. don't, eat, don't eat butter, eat this margarine. Well, margarine is literally plastic. 
I mean, right. seriously. And that's one of the reasons they made margarine was because they made it to in during World War II because it was easy to transport to the soldiers because it doesn't rot. Well, it doesn't rot because bacteria and fungus won't even eat it because it's so bad. And that's why butter rots because it's good food to eat. Well, and it's natural, right? It's not chemically synthesized from something else. Exactly. That's, that's part of the part that I think that people are, are missing, you know, is that when we, our body doesn't do well with synthetics. So, you know, even going back to the detoxification question, perfumes, lotions that have a scent, cleaners that have a scent, um, all of those synthetic scents, um, all of those synthetic things that they derive, even in the pharmaceutical industry, um, you know, they, they talk about, well, metformin comes from berberine. It's a synthetic portion of one part of the plant where berberine is the whole plant. And that's why in all the studies it outperforms metformin hands down. Another example of that, one of the first drugs ever isolated back in the 1890s that, that really kind of started big pharma from bare pharmaceuticals was aspirin. Right. Um, and aspirin comes from white willow bark. Yes. And, and the pharmaceutical industry knew that um, because they, they knew that Native Americans used it. Um, they would use white willow bark in teas to, to treat headaches, to treat inflammation, to treat pain, to treat cramps, um, to treat fevers. They're like, well, let's find out what the active ingredient is in, in white willow bark. So lo and behold, here comes acetosalicylic acid, um, better known as aspirin. And, and what started happening? People started getting GI bleeds. People started getting kidney problems. That didn't happen with white willow bark. Why? Because we try to take a plant and, 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 and isolate the active ingredient out of that plant. But there's so many things we don't know what we don't know. So we don't even know what we're looking for. So we right. try to find something, but there's multiple things in that plant, maybe some things that work synergistically. So those ingredients work at a lower dose without side effects. And maybe some things are in there that work um, to decrease the side effects. However, reason something that, that, that I don't think we'll ever figure out um, because there's so many things in a, in a, in a plant source that we just, we, we will not understand. Another good example, speaking of cholesterol is lovastatin, um, red yeast rice. Um, the pharmaceutical industry knew that red yeast rice was was good for um, healthy cholesterol levels, and so they tried to isolate the the active ingredient out of there, which was lovastatin. And then, lo and behold, all of a sudden, they were causing rhabdomyolysis, muscle pain, and um, liver problems. Right. That, that doesn't happen with red yeast rice. So, it's important to realize that. You know, when you isolate a single entity out of a plant, um, it's not as good as the whole plant, just like your example with berberine versus metformin. But those are some of the things, too, where we look at, you know, what is that toxin doing to the system? What is that synthetic doing to the system? And how does that then affect digestion, which affects ability to absorb nutrients, which then affects the hormones? And how do we then reverse that? So how do we? Tell us. Um, well, the first thing, even with my diabetic clients, I have them do is start a fasting program. And we um, we look at what is the most appropriate. I have everyone fast for a minimum of 12 hours because, as you know, the hormones leptin and ghrelin run on that 12-hour cycle. And if, we're, if you stick something in your mouth at 6 a.m., you need to have swallowed that bite by 6 p.m., 
um, the last bite by 6 p.m. because otherwise you start that whole cycle again and we start stressing out the body and asking it to store things as fat as opposed to use them for energy. So I have everyone start with a 12 hour and then I work people up to a 16 to 18 hour fast, depending on how their body is responding. And then we go to simple whole foods and we use things that have things like mastic gum in them that can actually go in and repair the lining of the gut, slippery elm, aloe, and those kinds of things that are very gentle and help heal the cells. Uh, and again, plant-based, not synthetic-based. So they're not derived in a factory. They are coming from the whole plant so that we can really help the person kind of restore that whole system. And then we, after we get their system functioning mostly the way that we attend to have it do, we see their inflammation come down. And what we have seen in my practice is that people are coming off cholesterol meds, high blood pressure meds, beta blockers, and their diabetes meds in six weeks, um, which is phenomenal. But also we start seeing improvements in their thyroid lab numbers. In fact, I just had a client go through the program who had been put on thyroid medication in January. He started the program in February in March, he's like, I don't know what's going on, but I can't stop sweating. And my heart rate feels abnormally fast. He was wearing a device to track his sleeping and his heart rate was above 60 while he was sleeping. And I said, go get your thyroid labs run again. And sure enough, his thyroid was overproducing. So I said, you know, maybe talk to your doctor about coming off that or slowly weaning yourself off of it and see how you do. And his labs were through the roof. Um, and so they did take him off the medication and then said, you know, let's try using it once a week and see what happens. And when he uses it, his heart rate overnight is somewhere between 68 and 72. And so he's been choosing to not use it for the last four weeks because he knows that the inflammation level that he had is down low enough that his thyroid is actually functioning as intended now. And he's absorbing more nutrients. Um, and then we really focus on getting them set up. We do genetic testing for nutrition and for the basic metabolic systems in the body. So lipid metabolism, oxidative stress, inflammation, detoxification, methylation. And we set them up on a meal plan and a supplement plan that is right for their genetics, not just here's the latest fad, do this with your meal plan and do this with your supplements. Um, because it's really important to pay attention to the individual. And then we really focus on how it's going over a 12-week process after that and what happens when I introduce a new food. And after we get a lot of that inflammation down and we get their C-reactive protein down, their homocysteine levels down, then I will do food sensitivity testing. Because if you test someone for food sensitivities while their system doesn't work and they can't absorb nutrients... They will test allergic to so many things that they are not actually allergic to. It's just the body overreacting because it's in distress. That makes sense. I, I, I didn't, I was not aware of that, but that makes total sense. Yeah. So that's how we kind of do it. Yeah. Janet, what questions do you have for Dr. Mercy? So once we get to this point, do we have 
more restrictions or restrictions removed? I mean, what, what does that look like for an individual? Do, do you open up their whole diet or, because I guess where I'm going with this is it, it seems like, you know, the, the thought process that I could see happening is, oh, I'm fixed. Now what? I can do whatever I want. I mean, so tell us how that really plays out for people. So throughout the program, I do some coaching around um, healthy eating for a lifetime, right? So you now that things are working the way that they are intended, you don't have to be 100%, but I need you to be 90%. So that doesn't mean going and you go on vacation and you blow everything throughout the whole vacation because that one week could actually take six months to correct, depending on where you were at before. So what we talk about is making healthy choices, right? So if you're going on a cruise, do you need to have dessert every single night? Or could you get away with like, I know that on this night, because I've looked at the meal plan, they are serving this dessert. It is my absolute favorite. It is not something I'm allergic to. And so I'm going to indulge in that one dessert and move on. And how do we get them to that mindset? Um, and we really focus on what does it look like? So my genetics say that I should be on a low fat diet. Um, I don't do detoxification well. So I take supplements every day that help my liver do detoxification. Um, and then I also make sure that I am focused on keeping my diet below 20% fat intake because that's where I function best. When I get above that, I start to have some digestive issues. Um, when I get below that, I start to get things like headaches. So I try and keep it dialed in pretty close. But what I tell people too is, I want you to pay attention to it as if your health is a business. And how well do you want that business to do? Because if you want it to fail, you know how to do that, you got there but you hired me to help you for a reason. And we want to make sure that that reason then keeps you on the path to success. That, that's good. That's a good, good analogy there. I like it. So as we wrap this podcast up, Dr. Marcy, uh, what do you have a passion for? I love helping people figure out their health and realize that eating healthy isn't a diet. It's actually the thing that they can do to make sure that they live the longest, happiest years, not just survive through 60, 70, 80. So tell us a little bit about uh, your web, your, <clears throat> I think it's your website. Is this your website? It's one, I have a few, but that's one of them, yes. <laughs> <laughs> tell us about the best way to get a hold of you. And also, don't you have a book? You have a book, correct? Um, I have three cookbooks out. They one is on Amazon, the other two are on my website. Um, so people can reach out and get those books, drmarcycm.com or 5280restorativemed.com. Um, and they can also look around the website, see what I offer. Um, if they want to book a free, uh, quick introductory call to have a conversation, we can do that through that website as well, too. Awesome. Um, I, I love it. I, I love the fact that you you helped us realize our goal, which is to educate and empower individuals to take charge of their own health. And you are definitely a shining example of that. You do it yourself. So I love it. I think as healthcare professionals, we need to be good role models for our patients. So thank you for doing that. And thank you for helping patients. Thank you guys. And by the way, I loved your book. I got a chance to read it finally. Um, and I appreciate the information that's in it. I think people could benefit from reading it for sure. 
Awesome. Speaking of my book, um, it's called Sickened, How the Government Ruined Healthcare and How to Fix It. And here's a a little tidbit. If you text the number 833-495-3426, you can get updates to my my book. Um, Or you can go to Amazon and get a copy of my book, Sickened, How the Government Ruined Healthcare and How to Fix It. And unlike a lot of people that just complain about our healthcare system and how bad it is, um, there is a six-step solution on how to fix it in there. And and the major step is what Dr. Marcy was talking about today is that individuals need to take charge of their own health. And we're glad that we have people like you, Marcy, to, to um, help people do that. Thank you. Yes, you're welcome. And thank you for listening and tuning in today, uh, listeners and viewers with Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham. Tune in Monday, our regularly scheduled podcast. Uh, 1230 to 130 Pacific Standard Time. Uh, Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham. Thank you.